Okay, today we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter number 22. Matthew 22. If you found it, can you say I found it? Found it. All right. Now, we're going to read through this story first, and then we're going to go back through and we're going to dig. Uh, but I'm going to warn you first. I'm just going to tell you flat out right now. Today is a garment check. Today is a message that, with a little emphasis in certain parts of this scripture that we're going to cover, uh, is a very good message to, to, to minister to people that haven't been baptized and haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet, okay? But today, I feel like that this is very well timed with it being us because uh, this garment check today is for all of us. Baptized in the early 90s, filled with the Holy Ghost in the early 90s, guess what? Today, it's my garment check because from time to time, we need to do one. As individuals in this walk with God, from time to time, after a little while, you need to step back and you need to do an honest appraisal of your own walk with God. And you need to ask yourself, how am I doing right now? And if you're too close to the forest to see your tree, then ask somebody you trust. And just tell them, hey, I'm a little concerned or, or haven't done a Holy Ghost check. You feel, is there anything and if you have somebody like that in your life, take advantage of it because they'll tell you. And also somebody like that that doesn't have anything will tell you. Nah, I got nothing. So if you got somebody like that, take advantage of it, okay? From time to time, we need to do a garment check. So we're going to read this story through. Elsewise, you'll read ahead anyway and won't hear me when I'm talking about something. So we'll go ahead and go through it once. <coughs> 22, verse number 1, Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables. Now, I want you to know before we even tell this parable that Jesus, for the past couple of chapters, has been getting pretty salty. Is that too old of a word? Been getting ill. East Tennessee, they call it ill. Up where I'm from, they call it salty. But if you read the past couple of chapters before this one, Jesus has been getting very blunt, very direct, and very impatient with people. He's letting them know it's coming hammer time. So this is a very intense parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent another servant, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatlings are killed. All things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. And went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant, that's all the ones that were left, the ones who didn't have jobs or responsibilities. The remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. You know, these people got no idea Jesus has given them a history lesson of their own nation. Sorry, I'm supposed to read through first. But when the king heard about it, he was mad, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. They went from the bidden to murderers to dead. Wow, that's a fall. When we started out, they were bidden to the marriage. Then they became murderers, and then they became dead. 
Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both all bad and good. What? And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. <clears throat> and he saith unto him, Friend? That's capital F right there, so he meant that. Friend, how camest thou in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. That means dude didn't have an excuse. He had nothing he could say. He looked around and saw everybody else with their wedding garments on. Somebody tried to give him a wedding garment on, but he thought he'd just come on in there and not have one. Wasn't no big deal. You could have it or not. It didn't matter. He saith unto him, Friend, how came thou in hither not having a wedding garment? He was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him. Hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And today, this scripture that seems so mysterious to a lot of people about many are called, few are chosen, God is going to illuminate for us. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your people. And I ask you, God, to let me not be a hindrance in any way, Father, but speak to us today. I need my garments checked today, Father, and I ask you to let the Holy Ghost examine me, God. Help us today, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Garment check. <coughs> or, the wedding is ready, but when Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king made a marriage for his son, what he's doing right now, now, now remember, he's talking to his disciples who don't have a clue what this marriage he's talking about is. But Jesus is talking about himself. He's literally telling them about himself. And when he says the kingdom of heaven is like, it really is, ain't it? The kingdom of heaven is like a king which made a marriage for his son. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, God Almighty. The Bible says God is spirit. Bible also says without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Man had a sin problem that could not be solved without God's blood. God had a blood problem because he was a spirit and spirit don't have blood. God solved both problems when he put on skin, got blood, and took care of man's sin problem. Well, that's pretty good. I'll have to remember that one day. Maybe. God made a marriage. For his son Jesus. There will be a marriage supper of the Lamb. There will be. And we have been invited. He sent forth the servant. Look at this now. This, you know, all of us have certain personality quirks. That's a word my mama used to use with me a lot now that I think about it. But we all got certain quirks in our personalities that cause us, can cause us trouble. In day-to-day life. But when those quirks are channeled and used for the right thing, they become a blessing and not a hindrance. Like people that are that are type A, OCD, when it comes to putting stuff together, and if it ain't just right, they ain't doing it at all, that might be a problem when you're putting new whatnots on shelves at home. It could take all day, or all the whatnots could wind up in the garbage when you're done. 
But you take people with those same quirks, we'll call them, and let them be the kind of person that had to arrange a wedding feast. And yeah, they might be stressed out and talking very short words and very terse sentences the whole time. But one thing you can count on, when that thing is done, it's going to be done right. This is exactly the kind of person running this wedding. Because look what they do. It says that he sent forth the servants to call them that were bidden. To be bidden, you've got to have received an invitation already. You send me an invitation that says, if you're going to come to this thing, please let me know you're coming. If I don't respond, don't call me. I'm not coming. Most people don't send out invitations to 300 people and then wait two weeks and call all 300 people and say, hey, you coming or what? That's what this person did. This king is really, it's really important to him that this marriage supper for his son has a full house. Because he wasn't content to leave it with an invitation that said, come whosoever will. But then he followed up by making a phone call to the same people he sent out an invitation. How many of you, when you look back at your life before you finally came to God completely, now you can look back and you can see that God didn't just deal with you once back there. He even didn't just deal with you twice. But now that your eyes are open and you can see, and you can see and you know what the hand of God looks like in lives when he moves things around for people's good, that now you can look back and realize that God didn't just invite you. He didn't just send an invitation, but he came around and knocked on the door of your heart again on another time. He showed up in your house on another time. He got in your truck on the way to work on another day. This God, this king, this father really cares that this wedding hall is jam-packed. He sent forth the servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Now, Jesus right here, he's talking about the Jewish people not coming to Jesus himself. This is a parable that nobody on this day could have understood everything it meant. Because the Jews were the ones that were first offered salvation. But they rejected it. They were bidden to the wedding, Jimmy. But they did not come. They were followed up with a phone call and a knock on the door to encourage them to come. But they did not come. So he's talking about the Jews right here. And he says, again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them. He sent forth more? Dude, he sent more. He sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden. Understand, he's only dealing with the ones he's already invited. And this is his third visit. Tell them which are bidden, behold, I prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed. All things are ready. Come to the marriage. When they didn't come the first time, he hadn't mentioned the, the fatlings and the oxen and the feast that was coming. So he sent the servants back and said, hey, what, did you tell them about, did you tell them about, the, about the soup? Did you tell them Stacy's bringing her favorite dish? Did you tell them? You're bringing chicken and dumplings? Did you tell them? So the servants go back again and say, hey, guys, 
The king wants you to know it's all taken care of. This ain't even a potluck. You don't even have to bring a spork. Just come. Everything is provided. (laughs) But they made light of it. Now today in this area especially, when you say somebody made light of something, it usually means they made fun of it. That's not what this means. This word light right here, it comes from a word, amaleo. Check out what it means. To be careless, to neglect. So they didn't make fun of it. They didn't believe. It wasn't that they didn't believe the invitation was real. It wasn't that they didn't believe there was a feast waiting for them. It wasn't that they didn't believe that the king wanted them to come. No. They just neglected the invitation. They were careless about the invitation. There's got to come a day in every Christian's walk with God where church isn't always a have to. Now, I'm the pastor, and I'm going to tell you, church is a have to. We need the strength we draw from each other. We do. We need the entire body. But there should come a time in our walk where it isn't always a have to. There's got to come a time where it's a get to. But most of the time it's like, man, you're, oh, glad it's Sunday. Well, I had a week and it was awful. I don't even know if I can open my mouth out loud worship today, but I know somebody there is going to be able to. I know if I can't, Stacy probably will. And if she can't, Jimmy probably will. If he can't, Nathan probably will. Somebody at church is going to have a voice of confidence yeah. today that I can get my voice back. Yeah. It's a get to. Yes. They made light of it. And went their ways. Now look, this is specific. Jesus is very specific right here. This is a common human nature problem for all of us. They made light of it. It just means they were careless. I'm careless. I get careless. I don't always know when I'm careless. You know why? Because I try to be careful. But I find out really quick when I'm careless. Either grab a plate that that kitty just got out of the stove right in front of my eyes with food on it. And what do I do when she sets it on the table? Oh, boy, that looks good. Grab the plate. Ah! (laughs) That's careless. Yeah, that's careless. So you can get careless. Just not thinking. Just not paying attention. So these aren't bad people that made light of it. They're not terrible. You know who these people are? They're us. Sometimes we're careless. Sometimes, we know, when our heart's right and our mind's right and we got it all together, we're very careful. Man, we make sure. Uh, we start thinking about what we're going to wear when we go to church. Uh, not because we're putting on $80 uh, shirts, but because church ain't like nowhere else. I want to wear something that's church. I want to worship God. And we start thinking about the service that's coming. And most of the time, we put care into it. We know we're getting up on Sunday morning. We're going to get here. If you're worshipers, you got to have your song ready. you got to know what you're doing. You're very careful. Careful, but every now and then we get careless. It's easy to get careless. And you know what? A preacher, it's a little while before anybody besides God and the preacher knows when he's been careless with his study. It's a little while before anybody besides the preacher and God knows when he's been careless with his prayer time. But if he stays careless, 
It won't be very long until everybody knows the difference between careful and careless. Now, it wasn't, this is really good, sorry. It wasn't that they didn't care at all. It's just that they cared less. Because look what the verse says. They made light of it, and they went their ways. And they weren't going out to the fishing hole. They were doing a grown-up, responsible things. They went their ways, one to his farm. You got a farm, guess what? You got chores. So he went to work. He had a farm. He had something that needed his attention. So it wasn't that he did not care about the master's invitation. It's just that he cared less about that invitation on Sunday than he did about the farm. Then the other one, another went to his merchandise. I don't know if this is a guy who runs a store and he's, he's, a, he's a store man, a merchant, or if this is somebody that's got a collection of Beanie Babies and, and misses the invitation because they're handing out the, the, the newest Beanie Baby over in some other town. I don't know. But it wasn't that he did not care about the invitation. It was simply that he cared less about the master's invitation than about what he was doing his way. They made light of it, went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and the rest of them took his servants, treated them spitefully, and even killed them. Oh, sounds like one of them peaceful protests from last summer. I mean, I didn't know Black Lives Matter was in the King James Bible. <laughs> this is what happens. I watched last year as some of those protesters <clears throat> found people of a particular color eating in restaurants and would gather around them and start screaming in their ear and yell at them, apologize to me for being white. Like, oh, my bad, dude. I didn't know I had any other choice. You mean I could have picked? <laughs> That's the same kind of treatment right here. They took his servants and used them spitefully. You know what spite is? Stop think about that. Use them spitefully. When you do something spiteful, it's being a smart aleck. Just do it to be rude. You just do it to make your point, to hurt somebody's feelings. And that's the way they treated his servants, and they killed them. Now, Jesus right here, guys, is talking about all the times him, as God the Father, sent prophets to the children of Israel all through the ages to invite them to the wedding, and they slew them all, killed them all. But when the king heard thereof, he was mad. He sent forth his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Little do these disciples know that Jesus is prophesying what will happen to Jerusalem. And it does. Years later, it's burned to the ground. And the ones in that city are the ones that refuse the invitation. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden, look what he says, didn't say they didn't come. It says he wasn't worthy. Doesn't say they had other things going on. It says they wasn't worthy. Wouldn't say that they had serious things to do. I mean, he's got a farm. The other guy's got a store. You know, that's important stuff. He doesn't say they had other obligations. He says they wasn't worthy. Somebody that's worthy of the invitation understands what the invitation is. They understand that this invitation will help you have the best farm you would ever have. 
if you accept this invitation and don't neglect it. It will help you to be the best merchant you could ever be if you accept this invitation and make God and his house a priority. They don't realize that. They think they're doing the right thing. They which are bidden were not worthy. Now, he's still talking about the Jews so far. Then he looks at his servants. Go, therefore, into the highways. Now, here's where we start to meddle. As many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. All right, now look. The first set of people were people that knew the wedding was coming and decided to go their own way instead. This is a group of people that were already going their own way, but decide to go to a wedding instead. When I'm on the highway, and Jimmy's gonna laugh at this because he's gonna, he knows this right, I'm going somewhere, <laughs> and I know how to pass the lanes far. <laughs> so I'm not looking for somebody to come when I'm on the highway, trying to get from here to Bean Station or Knoxville or Illinois or North Carolina or any of them other states that I go to. I'm not looking for an invitation when I'm on the interstate. I'm going my own way right now. So these people on the highways, they're not at an opportune time. This is not a wide open day for them to just have an invitation to a wedding. They don't even know these people. So the first group of people that knew about the wedding chose to go their own way. Now we got a bunch of people that are going their own way and getting ready to get invited to a wedding. Do you remember your life before you really gave it to God? And I'm going to use these two words. Please don't be offended this time. Do you remember what it was? Do you remember when you were going your way? You were going your way. Jimmy, I've heard your family's testimony. It's amazing. You were going your own way, dude. Till the family one day decided to ever remember, hey guys, if you could have one thing in the whole world, what would it be? And daddy named his, and son named his, and daughter named hers, and then it got to mama, and you all know how mamas are. They play dirty. So here this family is going their own way and they're out to park together. Innocent day going their own way. And they say, hey, Mama, well, if you could have one thing in this whole world, what would it be? And you know what Mama said? Mama said it would be that next Sunday the rest of my family's in church with me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that not right? That's correct. Sir. Now that family, they, they was going their own way. But got invited to wedding. Watch what happens. Going their own way, no idea of a wedding. Never got an invitation in the mail. So those servants went out into the highways. Look what they did. They gathered together all as many as they found. They got everybody they could. Look, I'm warning you fair square. When this winter's over, we will be equipped. Spiritually, mentally, and methodically to be able to go out here and help some people that are going to be in a mess and be messy. These people right here are the same way. They gathered everybody. 
as many as they could find. We're not going to pick an event and say, you know, we should really do that event up in Colonial Heights. <laughs> we, we really ought to do that event down downtown Blumville somewhere, you know, where 12 people might show up. No. We're going to go right into the highway. Right. right where there are people that are going their own way and they don't know nothing about no wedding, Nelson. They ain't got no invitation in the mailbox. They're not the kind of people that get invited anywhere except back to court. Look what Jesus, this is Jesus' picture of us. That when we go out, we gather as many. Sometimes I guess numbers are important. You know when? When you get asked, did you get them all? When you stand in front of God and have to say, no, I didn't get them all. And then God says, but did you try to get them all? That's when numbers matter. And these guys went out into the highways, gathered together as many as they found. Oh, woo, I love this. I'd have never got in if the rules was different than this. They brought as many as they could find, both bad and good. Ladies, I'm glad you feel comfortable. At least some of you seem like you might be. Well, oh, you girls have been around, man. Every woman in here got her purse on lockdown. That's good. That's good. Because after this winter, and I may be shortchanging God, it might happen sooner, but it ain't going to be long before we're going to be in the kind of church where you better not leave that purse laying around and don't come all shocked to me, acting like you're flabbergasted and highly offended that somebody would steal money out of your purse. We right. will have crackheads in here. Yep. We will have alcoholics in here that all they care about, they ain't hearing one word from the preacher. They're glad for the smiles, but what's on their mind is where am I going to give them money for that next drink? And if your purse is wide open, it's going to be your money that pays for that next drink. That's what we're going to do. And notice the order that he puts them in. They went out to get them all bad and good. You know how we would say that? We said, well, we went out and invited everybody, good and bad. Jesus has a different list in his order, a different order in his list. He said he went out and got all the bad and the good. And you know what? I'm just going to tell you something. One thing about bad people, they're consistent. I know what to expect. Right. One thing about good people, the ones that, hi, and they're nice and friendly, and you don't know what's going on, don't know about them, but they're, they're just good. You better watch that. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> he said, we went out and got all the bad and the good. That's a jacked up church. <laughs> bad and good? Now remember, this king is Jesus' picture of the father. The son is Jesus, that's himself. And he's saying, my father wants my, you understand, he's talking about himself. He's saying, my father wants my wedding feast, my wedding supper, so jam-packed, we'll take them all. Kind of like whosoever will. Kind of like any man thirst, let him come. Now we got a, we got a wedding feast. Everything's in place. We got a room full of people and it's chaos. I want to tell you from experience, it's going to get real chaotic around here. Well, okay then. That's why communication 
amongst us is going to be crucial. Because when it gets chaotic in here, and there's four or five people here, and seven or eight there, and one or two families there, and one here, and one here, and they're all jacked up. And they're here for the answer, some of them. We're going to have to stay in one mind and one accord. Because if not, something will come between us and divide us. It gets chaotic fast. They went out and they gathered bad and good, and the wedding was furnished. You see, the kings, he wasn't concerned about the lambs and everything. He wasn't concerned about the food, wasn't concerned about the supper. Wasn't concerned. All he was concerned about was whether or not the wedding was going to be furnished. Is this wedding furnished or non-furnished? We're supper lamb furniture. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. The wedding was furnished with guests. And look, when the king comes in, and he sees the guest, he doesn't say, hey, man, are you kidding me? You guys just got anybody. You got any, don't you know that dude still smells like alcohol? That dude still smells like the crack pipe. That guy's been looking at your wife's purse for the last 20 minutes, waiting for you both to look the other way. What are you guys doing here? This ain't church. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But when the king came in, he didn't have a fit because there was bad people in. He didn't even make mention that they dared bring bad people in here. Only thing on his mind, sees the guest, saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Man, this, this, this dad's too much. I mean, this is ridiculous. He's a little picky. He's never happy. Of course, he sent out invitations. He gets mad like a nine-year-old. Nobody came to his birthday party. So he has his servants go back two more times and follow up and say, ain't you guys coming to my party? And then when they're not coming to his party, he has his servants go out and just grab strangers and bring them in, good and bad. And now when he comes in and the place is full, oh, he's not happy that they're all there. So you mean just being there? Don't make Jesus happy. This guy come in, he didn't say, Oh, it's full, it's awesome! I'm so glad all you guys are here today. No. He looks around at everybody in there because he knows why they're here. They're here for a wedding. I mean, he doesn't care if they made friends. He doesn't care what social status they came from. All he cares is wedding garment, wedding garment, wedding garment, wedding. Then he stops. One guy in a whole, a whole room full of people ain't dressed right? And that's what he wants to talk about? Yeah. Yes. Because without a wedding garment, we don't get in. This guy was where all the other people that were invited to the wedding were. He was in the house. He was sitting at the table. There was more for him to do. Just going wasn't enough. Just believing the master's word wasn't enough. Just believing there was going to be a feast wasn't enough. He had to have a garment on. Look what this master does when he sees he ain't got one. He said, friend, how came you in here 
not having a wedding garment. And the friend didn't have nothing to say. He couldn't say anything. That's like anybody that comes around here more than four times can never say anything about not knowing about baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. And I want to thank all of you guys for your discipline. What I mean by that is, is if somebody comes around here that's never been here, if it don't happen the first time or the second, I promise you there will be a day where you're going to hear a Jesus name baptism Bible study on Sunday morning again. Because the only thing that matters is that person gets their garment on. I'm glad if they come every time. I'm glad to come in one day. And man, we got to pull out all the rest of the chairs. There ain't enough room. I'll be glad one day to come in and say, it's furnished. There's people everywhere for the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is awesome. But the only thing that matters is whether they have their garment on. The wedding garment. You see, nobody's going to get to this marriage supper, New Testament, that doesn't have the garment. Nobody sits down at the marriage supper of the Lamb without the blood of that Lamb applied in their life. That is the garment, the blood of the Lamb of the supper. And it's important. Now the reason I say garment check for us today is because I've been baptized almost 30 years ago. But that blood can wear thin. I can wear the blood of Jesus thin. By sin and don't repent. If I behave in a way I know it makes God upset with me, Nathan, and I don't repent, and I never try to get any better, guess what happens to that blood that covers me, which is the only thing that gives me forgiveness in the eyes of God. When I sin, when I don't repent, when I decide to go my way and not God's way, that covering of blood gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And if I'm not careful, I can come right out from underneath that covering of the blood. I can talk foul long enough. I can live foul long enough. I can turn my back on God long enough until there will be a day where I come out from underneath that covering of the blood and there is no blood on the mercy seat for me. So the reason I'm telling everybody, me first, today is garment check day is because this is a good day for every one of us. We're here first. To step back. Okay. I know my baptismal date. I know my Holy Ghost receiving date. I got all them things down. But you know what? How am I right now? And you know the only one that really knows? You know the only one that will really tell me all the truth about me? (laughs) The one that shed the blood for me. So there has to be a time. In a church's life and in our lives as individual Christians, where we come on our own back to God brand new and say, Lord, I thank you that I've got the garment. I thank you for that. But Lord, I can wear my garment pretty thin. I know I can. I know me. So, Lord, how's my garment looking today?
It's funny, as we get older, we become more people of habit than when we were younger. It's like some of us have a certain coffee cup, and I don't care if they don't understand it, Jimmy, it tastes better in that cup. That's right. And I'm glad my wife washes dishes and stuff, but you don't wash a good coffee cup every day. Nobody heard of coffee patina around here? There really is such a thing, caffeine patina. It'll get in the walls of the cup. Amen, bro. But I wear some things thin. I use the same thing so much. I don't have to go out and buy my jeans with holes in them because, you know, when I finally get rid of them, when I go to put them on and the hole's there, my wife says, nope, finally that one's dead. Too long, dead. So I don't have to buy them that way. I wear them till they get that way. I wear them out. I wear them thin. Coats, I don't have to buy them faded. I wear them until they get faded. And then pretty soon the threads get thin and you can see right through that thing. And you can pick it up. You think it's going to be heavy and you pick it up and it ain't. You know why? Because it's wearing thin. We do that with sheets, pillows, pillowcases, blankets, you name it. We do it. My wife likes a certain sheet. For 13 years, she likes a certain sheet. You can't convince her that anyone's going to be any better. And you know, when that sheet gets promoted or retired, I don't either. But there's one day she gets up, she finally pulls this thing up, and you can see everybody through the sheet. And it wasn't that way when she bought it. She's like, okay, time for a new sheet. Because she's comfortable with that sheet. I sleep better with that sheet. When I go on the road and travel, I take my pillow. You know why? I sleep better on my pillow. And I'll wear that pillow until I don't sleep good on it no more. I wear it thin. We do the same thing with the covering of the blood in our life. We don't do it intentionally. It's not like you wake up in the morning and say, I wonder how far out there I can go today and still feel the Holy Ghost. I wonder how far I can go out there today and still be all right and not be convicted. We don't do that. But from day to day living, that robe can get thin. How's the garment looking today? Because it's important. Just being here ain't enough. It wasn't here. Just accepting the invitation. Oh boy, there you go. I guess that completely abolishes accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't it? Because they all accepted the dude that didn't have a garment accepted, but he didn't get in. That's cold-blooded. You got to have the garment. Now, this is, this is drastic. Bind him. Take, but I cast out devils in your name. Bind him. Take him away. But I heal the sick in your name. Bind him. Take him away. Cast him into outer darkness. But I talked in tongues. I had the Holy Ghost. And there shall be weeping, gnashing of teeth. This is somebody that was at the banquet. Somebody in the master's table. At the table. And all they had to do was say, I'll take mine. And they didn't. And because of that, Outer darkness. And then this last part. Listen to this. For many are called, 
but few are chosen. You know, what do you think that gnashing of teeth is? You ever burned yourself so bad that you grit your teeth? You ever hurt yourself so bad that all you can do is like, mm. You know that kind of pain when you stub that toe and you stub in such a way, what's wrong? Mm. Anybody that's ever stubbed that toe on their own foot knows what that means? Gnashing of teeth. That ain't just gritting teeth, man. That, that hurts so bad. You're gnashing of your teeth on your cell. And Jesus says, for many are called, few are chosen. Everybody. First of all, the first people that were called did not come. So they could not be chosen. Then the ones that did uh, recall, come when they were called. When they came in, they were called. But one of them was not chosen. Why? Because he didn't have his wedding garment on. Many are called. Few are chosen. And look, this ain't a matter of, well, I got to choose somebody. You know, if we're going to do this, I got to choose somebody that, that knows a lot of facts and can research something until they're talking in tongues like Stacy. You know, it's got to be uh, like that. We got to give it uh, to that kind of a person, get that kind of a, a job done. But that's not what the chosen means. This chosen isn't like choosing the cream of the crop or, or the best at this or the best uh, preacher or the best singer or the best teacher uh, or the best studier or the best teacher. It's none of that. This chosen was everybody that was eligible. Many are called, but few are chosen. Makes it sound like it's hard on our part. Few are chosen. It's not. The reason few are chosen is because few are eligible. All we have to do is get the wedding garment on. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? You must be born again. Nicodemus didn't understand it. And he said, you must, look, this is an apostolic misquote that we've got to stop. Jesus did not say you must be born again of the water and the spirit. That's not what he said. He said, you must be born again. And then when Nicodemus did not understand it, he said, you must be born again. You must be born of the water and the spirit. He never said you must be born again of the water and the spirit. He said you must be born of the water and the spirit. The born again is the born of the spirit. Now, you're a new creature when you come out of the waters of baptism, but that baptism is a burial. You're not born again in the waters. You're born again when the Holy Ghost comes inside of you and you're brand new. So this garment is the covering of the blood. That's our wedding garment. So I'm going to ask you today, have you felt any pride from God about your garment? Is it, is, it, is it still thick? Is it looking good today? Or is it like one of those garments that you don't even have to hold up to the light to see the light through? You just pick it up and pick Mine gets that way sometimes. And usually it can be told right away by my voice. I'm an emotional person. You can tell how I feel usually by my tone of voice. I'm just that way. And the blood that Jesus shed for me gets mighty thin sometimes. And you know, I'm almost done. You know, when it gets the thinnest, usually when you're helping somebody else. 
and you'll see when you get involved in helping some of these families get on the right track, you're going to see you're going to use up a lot of that cover real fast. You're going to use up a lot of the Holy Ghost real fast. So it's going to be important now for us to learn to have a regular garment check individually and as a church. Because we're going to be hanging around some people that are going to draw it out. So it's a good time now to get in the habit of making sure that, that robe is thick and I'm filled with that spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Jesus, at this point in his ministry, he knew that these guys had gotten about all they were going to be able to get. And he started telling them some stuff that he knew that they weren't going to understand until way later, like this. Because when he's talking to them, the awesome thing about God, we get to read about Jesus talking to his disciples in their presence about God calling the Jews all those centuries and them not responding to the wedding and not coming at all. And we get to hear Jesus prophesy that when the Jews rejected Jesus, God was going to have the apostles go out into the highways and the byways and bring in everybody that would come, the bad and the good. So he's also talking to them about them in the future, and they don't even know it. But then the last part's the one that blows my mind. And this is where it's so amazing that this word really is alive. Because while he's talking about the father inviting the Jews all those years and the Jews would kill all the prophets that came and reject the, the invitation and here Jesus is now and he knows they're getting ready to reject his invitation and then he knows that his disciples are going to go out and they're going to go after the bad and the good and the highways and the hedges and they're going to do all that. And while he prophesied on all those levels, there was one more level in there. Because now we've got 2,000 years of being the church. Now we've been the church for 2,000 years. So the warning in here, there's a warning in here. To be careful, lest we become like the Jews did. Because we're the ones now that get the weekly invitation. We're the ones now that have God aggravate us so bad about praying good and studying. You know why it bothers us so bad when we know we're doing terrible at it? It ain't because uh, that part of us that beats ourselves up all the time. That's not what's going on then. When that bothers us so bad, it's because the Spirit is dealing with us to get those things in place and take care of them. Because the last warning is in here. Now we're the church and the Jews are not. It's us. What are we doing with our invitation? We got to be careful. Because there may be a day, man, I got ducks, dogs, fish, uh, giraffes. I got a farm. So the warning for me is I got to be careful that I don't neglect that invitation because of my farm, Nelson. Because I can. It can happen. So today... I'm just going to ask you. If you got something you need to talk to God about, and just say, Lord, you know what? I mean, I, 
I don't got no major sin in my life, so you know, I ain't feeling like I backslid or walked away from you. But I'm not, you know, I'm just up here for a check. Can you hold my garment up to the light, Lord? Huh? Can you hold it up today and see, see, how, see how it's looking? Is it as thick as I feel like it is? Or, or do I need it thickened up a little bit? So I'm going to ask you today, and Jimmy and Stacy, unless you're going to pray, which you're more than welcome to pray. And if you're not, I'd like you to start that song. If you are going to pray, then forget it. But I'm going to invite you today <clears throat> to come up and talk to God. If you already know what condition your garment's in and you need it straightened out today, I'm going to ask you to invite you up here to let God work on your garment. If you're here today and you don't know, I'm going to invite you to come up today, find your spot. You can sit in a chair, you can stand and pray, and ask God to do a garment check. How's blood looking?
pray about a service coming up. I'm going to teach on communion, and then we're going to take it. Uh, there's a lot, of, lot of, a lot of things misunderstood about it. A lot of things misunderstood about that section of scripture. Uh, we're going to teach on it, and then uh, we're going to take it. And uh, I, I believe that you will see communion in, in a different light. I really do. I really do. I would like before we go. There are several people that are in a struggle for their soul right now. That have come a couple services. Uh, and then, then they're gone and they come back. I remember what that was like. I remember the struggle and it's real. Let's remember to pray for those that you've seen sitting here and when you don't see their faces, remember to pray for them that day because they are in a struggle. Uh, we keep praying for them and, and they'll win that struggle. They really will. Uh, so, anyone have anything before I pray dismissal? Lord, I thank you, Father, for this day. And I thank you, God, that all those thousands of years ago, <laughs> scores of centuries, you spoke words of life, words of warning, words of freedom, words of power that still speak today. And I pray, Father, you would help us to be a group of people that will always have a conscience to do a garment check individually, but then from time to time as a church family, Father. And I pray today, Lord, for those that are struggling to make their way in. Lord, they've come, they've made contact, and they're in a battle right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I ask you today, Father, to break the back of addictions, break the back of mental illnesses, Father, Break the curses, Lord, that so many still live under. And I pray today, Father, you would just whisper in their heart that it's not too late, God. That today is the day. Visit them today, Father God. Lord, I pray for your people. I thank you, God, for your people. I thank you, Lord, for the way we draw strength from each other. And I pray for this upcoming week, Father. I pray that you would use every single one of us, God, even if it would be something as simple as a smile or a kind word to somebody. Use us this week, Lord. And I pray, Father God, today that we would always be conscious of the wedding garment, God. Bless your people this week until we come back together again. Visit those we love that are not here yet but are on their way. And ask you, Lord, to do all these things for your glory. And the church said in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. All right. God bless you. I love you all. Dismissed today in Jesus' name. Thank you.